Red Rocks Church. What's up? How good is that song? Hey, in case you missed it, that song just dropped this week. Go get it right now. Let me say hi to everybody. What's up? All the Denver-based locations. We love you so much. Austin, Texas, Brussels, Belgium, all the guy behind bars locations. We love you so much. Welcome to the family. Welcome to Red Rocks. If you're just joining with us for the first time today, whether it's in a building or in an online campus, from a home, from a gym, a treadmill, a hike, a bike, a car, wherever you're at, we want you to know that And we're just a bunch of messed up, imperfect people, and we love getting together like this and pursuing a perfect God. We've been saying that for a long time. It's still true today, which means no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you're in the middle of, no matter what 2020 caused or didn't allow, no matter what's happening, no matter where you're at with your faith, you're welcome here. We want you to know that you're welcome here. We're glad you're here. Welcome home. Welcome to Red Rocks Church. If you're at one of the buildings, go ahead and have a seat. If you're not at one of the buildings but wish you were, RSVP today for next weekend services. Man, we would love to see you in person, but never forget this. It is not the presence of a preacher or the presence of a building that changes our lives. It's the presence of our God, and he's with us right now no matter where you're watching or where you're listening from, right? All right. We're starting this new teaching series. Guys, keep playing under me for just a second. It just feels spiritual when you do. We're starting this new teaching series today called Legacy. And when I say legacy, most of you, you sort of get a gut on like what that means, right? But if I were to ask you to explain it, you might have a tough time. Legacy is, is what we leave when we leave, isn't it? We know, we don't like to think about it, but we know that, that this life is extremely temporary. It's short. And our legacy is what lives beyond us. When we go to be with Jesus, what do we leave behind us? In fact, I heard, I heard my pastor actually define legacy as this. Go ahead and put that up. Legacy is what people remember when you're gone. Man, we, we crave that, don't we? We want that, don't we? And so the question that I've been asking myself as I've been getting ready for this series, and the question that I now want to challenge you as a church family to start asking yourself is this. What about your life will outlive you. What about my life will outlive me? Is everything in my life about me and getting mine? Or am I doing something that goes beyond me? And everything I collect won't just die with me, but it'll live long after I'm gone. That's the question I want you to start to ask because I think um, it's a scary, it's a scary day when you come to the realization that your life isn't in that direction. But it's also a great day because you can do something about it. And that's what I want to challenge you with today. If you're not already heading in this direction, well, let's make some changes because if you can still hear my voice, you can still leave a legacy. And that's what I want to, that's what I want to encourage you with today. And the truth is we crave it. We crave this idea of I want my life to matter. I want to have a purpose. We, we feel it. Whether you have faith in Jesus or not, there's this feeling that we all share. And it's like, I think I was created for a reason. I might not know what that is, but I think there's a purpose inside of me. I want to matter. I want to walk in that. 
And I want to be remembered. We want that. We crave it. We crave it. It's not a selfish thing. We crave it because that's how we were created. We were created to live this way. Watch this. Psalm 112, verse 6. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. Leave this up for a second because I want to talk about it. First off, don't disqualify yourself right up top because we do that every now and then. There's a verse that talks about when the righteous do this and we go, well, not me. Because you don't know what I've been up to lately. Hey, if you've put your faith in Jesus, you're righteous. The word of God says that when we repent, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from what? All unrighteousness. I put my faith in Jesus, and so I qualify. I'm righteous, not because of what I've done, not because of what I haven't done, not because of what you've done, not because of what you haven't done, but because of what Jesus did. So those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, we are righteous in God's sight today. And if you haven't, don't worry, because you're going to get a chance to before we leave today. So those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, we are now righteous in God's sight. And now Jesus' spirit, the word of God tells us when we put our faith in Jesus, his spirit begins to dwell inside of us. So now I can do things I didn't know I can do. I can get through things I didn't know I could get through. I can conquer things. I can go through hard times. I can stomp my way through 2020. And I don't have to be shaken because I got the spirit of God living inside of me. And and, and I'm gonna base my confidence on what he says I can and can't do, not on what the government says I can and can't do, or what a pandemic says I can and can't do, right? We were created to be righteous in God's sight, to have that feeling of because he's in me, I never have to be shaken. And because that's the truth, I can live a great life with great purpose and leave a great legacy and be remembered forever. We crave it because we were created to live it. God, we need you today, and we ask you to speak. We invite your presence into every single space, into the buildings, into the rooms, into the cars, into our headphones, into our hearts. God, speak to us today. This topic is too important for us to miss out on. God, speak to us today, challenge us today, encourage us today, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, at every location... Amen. Bam, thank you. I'll give you a break. Guys, make some noise for the band. Love you guys. Don't get too comfy back there. No cigarette breaks. I'm kidding, guys. Come on. That's just Andrew. Hey, so Ronnie and Andrew told me that real preachers use podiums and headset mics. So We're going to give it a run today and see how it works. Um, The first time as an adult that I realized my life was not headed towards leaving a legacy that I was going to be happy about is the first day I ever had a panic attack. It's a scary day. It's a scary realization when you realize like everything I'm doing is about me. And when I die or when I leave, nobody's going to care. It's a scary thought. And I almost put in my notes, I don't want you to ever go through that. But then it hit me. No, for some of you, that could be the best thing that could ever happen to you is to go through that. Because if you can hear this message, there's still time to change the way you're doing life and the legacy you'll leave someday. So it was was one of the hardest days of my life, but one of the greatest. I was living in LA and did not have a relationship with Jesus, was a 
substance abuser and, and just a, in, a, in, a, in a whirlwind of bad stuff. And a friend of mine one night after a long night of partying, we went back to our place and there are three or four of us guys living at this place, depending on the month. And we went to bed and about 2 a.m. I got woken up by someone yelling at my door, Sean, Sean, come here, come here, come here. And I ran out into the kitchen going, what's up? And there's a stack of suicide notes on the table. And the top one was to me and Will. And it said, Sean and Will, don't blame yourself. You couldn't have known. And then there was a stack of letters to his family members and siblings, ex-girlfriend. It was, it was awful. We went into the bathroom. We found him in the bathroom. He had consumed literally hundreds of pills and was in convulsions on the floor. We called 911. The paramedics come. They take him. As, as, as we're, we're getting ready to follow the ambulance to the hospital, he's like, you guys can come, but you don't need to. He, he's not going to make it. I know you did your best, but it was too late. Well, we drove to the hospital anyways, and we stayed there till about noon or one, and finally all the people in the hospital were like, guys, go home. It's over. Like, if he comes out of this coma, he'll be completely brain dead. He'll have no life. Like, this, is, this story's done. And so we went home, and we went out that night like we do every night. And I think we brought him up a few times during the night like, it was crazy. But for the most part, we just went and partied like we normally do. And the next morning, I woke up and I went out to my balcony and standing there with a cup of coffee and a cigarette, and that was like my morning routine. And all of a sudden, I started having thoughts that I had never had as an adult because of my friend. Because what hit me is it was this awful thing that had happened but yet we just went out like normal and partied like normal and life went on. And all of a sudden I started realizing like if that were me, if I were at the hospital in a coma last night, they would have done the same thing. If I die today, if I move to Alaska today, nobody's really going to care because I just have a bunch of party friends and we just sort of, we like each other for what we offer each other, but I don't do anything beyond me. I'd never made more money in my life. It was all for me, every penny. I'd never had more success in all my life, but it was all for me. Every promotion was for me. Every dime was for me. Everything was for me. And all of a sudden, I realized if I die today, nobody's going to care. And I called my mom, and I was just bawling. And I was like, Mom, I need you to pray. I can't stop having this panic attack. And she's like, what's wrong? And I remember I just kept saying these two lines. I was like, Mom, I'm wasting my life. I'm wasting my life. And then, I, and then I, and I remember saying this, and I'll never forget it. I just kept saying it over and over again. I'm like, I don't do anything that matters. I don't do anything that matters. I don't do anything that matters. And it shook me to the core, but it pushed me towards God. It's one of the hardest days of my life, and I thank God for it nonstop. And if you're in the middle of it, it's okay to go, man, this might be a little bit about me today. And that's okay, because like I said, if you can hear this message, you can change your legacy. The, the crazy thing is, is the King Solomon, those of you who have some Bible knowledge or some church history, you know of King Solomon, he had a day very similar. I don't know if he was on a balcony and I don't know that he had Marlboro Reds, but he, he had a day very similar, he, except for he was the smartest, richest guy in the world. God had blessed him. He was the king. He had access to anything, anything he could dream up, he could have. Anything he wanted, he could get. He's in this real 
unique position. Well, he was down in the dumps, kind of bored with life. And so he went, you know what? I have this unique position and this unique access and these unique resources. I'm going to put them all to use and I'm going to get myself everything I can possibly think of that will bring me some purpose because I'm bored with life. And here he goes, Ecclesiastes 2. I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly. He just started partying. He's like, I'll find something that's going to make, make this thing feel okay on the inside, fill this empty void. I'll just party, man. I've been there. My mind's still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. He realizes life is short and I'm bored and I don't feel satisfied and fulfilled. I'm going to get after it. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself. I planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. He's like, well, I've always heard people say, I just wish I could get my dream house. Well, I actually can. So he built a mansion and anything he could dream up, he attached to it. Surely that'll help. I'll just get a better house. Man, this is going to make me happy. Maybe, maybe that didn't do it. I need more. I just need more money at my fingertips. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I don't know how much that is, but it sounds like a lot. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well. The delights of a man's heart. That's what he thought. Don't skip over that, that word harem too quickly. He's a guy and he thought, you know what? You know what would actually make me happy? If every single time I see a girl and I think she's hot, I could get with her. That would do it. Surely that would do it. And we know that he... He did that over a thousand times. He went, I'll take her and her and her and her and her. And she's, yep, her. Because surely that's going to make me, if I can get enough good relationships, if I can have enough, enough good sex, if I, can, if I can fulfill this lust thing that's going on inside of me, that'll make me happy. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. That's a big claim. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart, no pleasure. But one day he started to look around and surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve. And I realized it was all about me. Everything was meaningless a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. And we know he's starting to think about this me, me, me thing because all of a sudden he starts to think about his legacy because he, like us, was created to crave this kind of life that makes a difference in the world and leaves a legacy when we're gone. And so he starts thinking about his legacy and he says, for the wise, like the fool, will not be long remembered. The days have already come when both have been forgotten. All my stuff's about me. It's amazing. No one's ever had stuff like this, but it's all about me. And the truth is I'm on a path to be the richest, fastest forgotten person in human history. I'm not going to leave a legacy. So I hated my life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I'm wasting my life. I'm wasting my life. I don't do anything that matters. That's what he's saying. 
His conclusion to the person who pleases him, God. God gives wisdom. God gives knowledge. God gives happiness. But to the sinner, and in his mind, the one who doesn't have God, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. His conclusion at the end of it, on the balcony with the smoke and the panic attacks and I'm wasting my life and I don't do anything that matters. The conclusion was, I need God. I gotta make my life about God. I gotta make my, my endeavors about God. I gotta build his kingdom. I gotta tell people about God. I gotta get involved in his mission. He's the only way I'm gonna find purpose in this world and the only way I'm gonna leave a legacy. I need God. And God knows that we're in the same boat and so he sent us his son to die on a cross, to pay the price for our sins. So that today we get the opportunity to go, I want that, I want forgiveness of my sins. I wanna be perfectly righteous in God's sake. I wanna be what the Bible calls saved. I wanna go to heaven for all. We get that as a gift and we don't earn it. But then Jesus went on and he said, but before he did that, he said, guys, let me tell you, I know this life is short, but I know you have this craving that you want to live a great life with all kinds of purpose, and you want to leave a great legacy behind you someday. Let me tell you how to do it, and he gives us these three principles. He says, if you base your entire life off these three principles, you got it. I'll take care of the rest. You'll be real happy with the life you get to leave, lead and the legacy you'll get to leave. We call it the Great Commandments and the Great Commission. It reads like this, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? They had a whole lot of rules that they were trying to follow. And, and the guy asking the question, he says, I, I got this craving. I, I want to do the right thing. I want to I lead a great life. I want to leave a great legacy. Like, what do I really focus on? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. He said, you want to you be a part of building my kingdom and lead the kind of life that, that you know, like I'm living with purpose. It starts with loving me, connecting with me, and then loving and connecting and serving other people. He said, you do these two things, I'm going to tell you, you're going to blink, and your life's going to be filled with so much purpose, you don't know what to do with it, and you're going to be walking towards leaving a legacy you'll be proud of one day. And then he tells his best friends, his best friends, his followers, his buddies, the disciples, one day they're having the same conversation. I got this craving. I got this craving. I want to be great. I want to be great. And they're on a walk, and two of them actually start arguing about who's going to be the greatest, because we, we got this craving. Jesus says, guys, come here for a sec. And he talks to him about it. He says, the way, you, the way you see greatness in your mind, I'm about to flip upside down. I'm about, to turn it up, I'm about to turn it on its head. I know you've got a craving. It's different than what you think. And, and, and the very last thing he said to them when he left, he said, don't forget, guys. Let me help you fulfill that craving. Let me give your life some purpose. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. He says, I know you want to, to do something that matters. That's why that Purpose Driven Life book, when it came out, sold copies globally like wildfire because the whole world, because we're all doing the same thing, going, that's what I want. I want to live with some purpose. 
I can't tell you why. I just have this feeling that I'm supposed to. I want to leave a legacy. Go ahead and put that slide up. Leaving a legacy starts right here. Jesus said, here's where it starts. Love God, love people, reach the lost. And I want to challenge you to start asking yourself through the course of this series, how am I doing on each of those things? Because according to Jesus himself, when those three things define who we are, life starts to do that life to the fullest thing. And legacy starts to take care of itself. And so I want you to be asking yourself when it comes to my love for God, my submitting my life to God, my constant pursuit of God, how am I doing? When it comes to my serving people and helping people and sacrificing for people, right? Love is a verb, love is an action. How am I doing? When it comes to reaching lost people wherever God's got me planted, how am I doing? Because these are the things I want to be remembered for. But they can't just be good intentions. Good intentions don't leave good legacies. We got to do the things that Jesus said, if you'll do these things, you're going to live the kind of life you crave and you're going to leave the kind of legacy you desire. Let's break them down one at a time. Love God. There, there's, this, it's, there's this interesting thing, like if you think about it, and maybe, maybe it's why God created marriage. I don't know. But like for me and Jill, there was a day when, when I sort of crossed this invisible line and we call it a wedding ceremony. And, and I said, I give you my life. It was this one-time event. I give you my life. But that if I'm really gonna love her, I gotta make that choice daily, don't I? Every day, give you my life. Give you my life. I give you my, how, how do I do that practically? I gotta, I, I, I'm gonna talk with her. I'm gonna listen to her. I'm gonna sing her praises. I'm gonna encourage her. I'm gonna tell her thank you and I love you. I'm gonna try to show her I love, right? Let's not make loving God and connecting with God more difficult than he wants it to be. Go ahead and put that slide up. Life with God, I just put some basics. Like, because some of you might be going, man, I want to sacrifice and submit my life to God. I want to submit my life to God. And and I want to keep doing that for the rest of my life. I don't want to just get excited about it. Give me some practicals. It's real simple. Let him talk to you by getting in his word. Talk back by praying. Sing his praises and thank him for what he's done in worship. Get your body and your family in church. Corporate worship is good for the soul. You experience his presence. It's very simple. But I want to ask yourself, have have some of these things become good intentions? Because good intentions don't, don't leave good legacies. And it's our love for God that begins to change the legacy we lead. And, and some of you may be thinking, you know, that sounds nice in church. Is that, is that really true? And is it really practical? Does that really play itself out? All I can tell you is my story. I know where I was headed in life apart from God because I saw it in every relationship I had as they went forward and as my friends' lives went forward apart from God. It was broken relationships, broken homes, divorces, probably children who would in some way feel abandoned by a dad because I wouldn't stay in the relationship and be there. That's where I was headed. I was making bad choices on a professional level. And as I look at my family history, my family has been defined for generations 
by parents who abandon or parents who hurt, parents who abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. There's even murder in my family history of another family member. I know where I was headed. But one day, I had a nervous breakdown of some sort and realized I needed God. And he used that moment to draw me to him. And I gave my life to God. And now for over 20 years, I've been trying to continue to give my life to God. And I have days where I feel like I'm doing it. And I have days where I feel like I suck at it. But I'm trying. And I blinked. And I'm telling you, I never once started pursuing God thinking about changing my family lineage. But because I started pursuing God and just tried to love him, it changed where I lived, and it changed what I did for a living, and it changed who I dated, and it changed who I married, and it changed the kids we have, and it changed the values they're being raised with, and they have parents that aren't abandoning them and aren't hurting them. One choice to put God in my life. I'm changing my family lineage. I'm telling you, you can do that. You do not have to fall victim to what has happened in the generations before you. You, with the Spirit of God inside of you, you can change that line, and you can change the generations that come beneath you. It starts with, I submit my life to God. I'm telling you, it's not fancy church talk. Psalm 112, one and two says this, praise the Lord, hallelujah, this is the Amplified. Blessed, fortunate, prosperous, and favored by God is the man who fears the Lord with awe-inspired reverence and worships him with obedience, who greatly delights in his commandments. Listen to this. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Because of our pursuit after God and some choices that we make, we can change the generations that come after us, church. We can do that. That's not fancy church talk. That's real. Second one is love people. My pastor said this. What we do for ourselves usually dies with us. What we do for others lives beyond us. Remember that conversation that Jesus' best friends were having about who's going to be great? Jesus said it like this. Go ahead and put that up. They kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who the greatest was. So Jesus sits the boys down and it gets awkward. This is awkward silence. I think Jesus loved it. Sitting down, he called the 12 and said, boys, <clears throat> do you think I didn't hear you talking on the way here? Hey, I love your passion. Sometimes you're dumb as a box of rocks, guys, but I love your passion. Anyone who wants to be great, you want to leave a legacy? You want to, leave a, you want to li live a purposeful life and leave an impacting legacy? Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. Guys, you live in a world. See, we have more in common with some of these guys than we think, don't we? He's saying this. You live in a world where if you're not careful, you'll get caught up in the temptation to assess your greatness by how many people work for you. How many people serve you? How many people jump when you say jump, right? But I'm telling you, if you want to be great, flip it. Start sacrificing for people. Start serving people. Start loving people. Start being generous with people. Good intentions won't leave a good legacy. Start actually doing it, guys. 
You can live this way. And all of a sudden, you're going to start finding purpose just starts to be a part of who you are. And a legacy is going to take care of itself. And I'm going to give you a cheat code for this one. When I was growing up, we didn't have many video games, but we had, we had Galaga and Defender and Pac-Man and we had the real ones, Donkey Kong. Every now and then, we get a cheat code. Oh, you get a cheat code, you felt like you'd conquer the world, right? Up, right, down, down, left, right, left, right, boom, 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 boom. You know the, yeah. And, and there's a cheat code. I want to give you a cheat code because sometimes I think we, we look at this one and go, that's the person I'm going to be. All right, have you done that in the last three months for somebody? Uh-uh. Well, I'm going to be it. We just don't always know where to start. I mean, get in a group. There are thousands and thousands of people in this church family right now in a group, in a home group, a Zoom group, a sports team. We got groups coming out our ears in this place. Get in a group, get online, get on the app, hit that group button. You can start your own group if you can't find one you like. Hop in another group, get in a group. I don't care if you bike, hike, knit, go through a book, play, play ball, whatever. Just end your group. I'm, I'm in a men's group right now, and we end every group the same way. What can we pray for you about? The toughest of guys who don't want to ever burden anybody else with their problems. You say, what can I pray for you about? Right, Sam? They'll be like, well, I mean, I can take care of it myself, but uh, I mean, if you're going to pray. Uh. <laughs> it's a window into their soul. It's a window into their life. That's why I ask every small group, just, I don't care what you do. I ask every team, I don't care what you do. Just ask, ask take, take some prayer requests at the end of whatever you do, because it's a, it's a cheat code to doing life together. And not, not only now can I know how to pray for you, but now I know how to serve you. Now I know how to help you. Now I know how I could sacrifice for you. Now I know how I could be generous with you. And pretty soon I'm living the kind of life I actually crave, and it's not just a good intention. Get in a group, get in a group today. If you can't find one, start one. We'll help you get in a group. Hey, I'm telling you, guys, I've seen this one play out. When the church was brand new, we had a death. Um, some very close friends of the church. His wife's mom passed away. And they called me and said, can you come over? I was scared to death. I've never went over to anyone's house after a parent died. This is new to me. I'm, I'm a new pastor. And so I got over there. I'm just hanging out with the family and hanging out in the kitchen. And at one point, I was talking to a family member. And I was so, like, just nervous and awkward and just trying to make small talk. And I noticed that the refrigerator was literally, like, you couldn't even see what color the refrigerator was. It was just covered in pictures. And I was like, big family, huh? And the lady I was talking to goes, that's not family. That's all the people that she's helping right now. That's the kid around the corner. That's the lady from her small group. That's the girl from her office who needed a, and she gave a, and she, very small house. Not a lot of stuff to brag about. Guys, I'm not kidding. It's one of the biggest funerals I've ever been to in my life. I'm telling you, they couldn't shut the mic off. Because everybody in, I'm talking, I'm talking at an auditorium with a sea of people. And they couldn't get people to stop wanting to go up on the mic and tell, let me tell you how she changed my life. Let me tell you how she served me. She didn't have much, but let me tell you what she gave me. Let me tell you how she went out of her way for me. Let me tell you how she built me up. Let me tell you how she got, she sacrificed her own so she could give me a, 
And I sat there and bawled and went, this is what a legacy looks like. She didn't have a lot of stuff. Her life was defined by a whole bunch of stories, and it's a way better way to live, church. This is the way to it. Jesus said, you want this stuff, and it's got to happen. Can't be good intentions. And the last thing he said was, I'm going to reach lost people. I'm sending you into dark places in the world, into schools and onto teams and into office buildings and into families and into neighborhoods and into parties and into dinners and wherever you're at. And, and all around you are going to be people who need what you have. And yeah, it's going to be awkward. And yeah, it might be a little scary. And yeah, you won't know exactly what to say. It doesn't matter. You've got the greatest news on the planet in your soul. Go share it. You can do this. And again, I'm trying to make this, this 30,000 foot view of leaving a legacy sort of practical and have some handles today. So go ahead and put that slide up if you would. Take a screenshot of this. I'm telling you, it's not rocket science, and this is not like a formula for sharing your faith, but it's just some things that I've found over the years that just start to make it practical and doable. Pray for an open door, share your story, share your church, and share your life. And let the creator of the universe do the miraculous and change a life, because he will. And again, it's not fancy church talk. Band, you guys can come on up. I just watched this play out this past week with one of my good friends, and and I actually asked him, I said, you, can I tell the church about this? Because I'm just like, what I want to encourage us to do as a habit in life, like I'm watching you do regularly. He's like, yeah, you can, you can share it. I don't care. One of the guys in my small group, good friend of mine, his name is Mark. Mark is a, uh, an MMA coach, mixed martial arts which means when he goes to the office, he goes to the office with some of the roughest, toughest people in our state. I've been to his office. I know. I've seen it. It's not exactly an, an atmosphere of like, hey, what'd you get from your quiet time today? I got a Bible verse before we start. It's not exactly that kind of environment. And I, I'm saying that because I... I know what we do. We go, yeah, I want to live that way, but you don't know where I work. You don't know who my family, you don't get where I live. You don't know what I'm surrounded by. I'm telling you, I don't know if there's a more awkward environment to share Jesus than where Mark goes to work at. Well, this past week, he called me out of the blue and goes, hey, let's schedule a baptism this week. Now, most people, I would you know, explain to them that I'm, I'm really busy and I don't have time for this right now, but Mark is one of the top 20 coaches of all time and can currently take every one of his fighters. So when he says we're going to have a baptism, I go, yeah, let's do a baptism. Yeah. This Wednesday, good? Cool. <clears throat> I met his friend named Jeremy. Jeremy works for the agency that is Mark's manager, and they manage a bunch of his fighters. And um, Jeremy was going through a real rough time, and so Mark started talking to him, and Mark let him know that he has faith in Jesus. And Jeremy started telling him, I have all these doubts, and here's how I grew up, and here's, here's all the stuff from my past that makes me want to run from that, and here's why I can't really believe in that. And Mark said, man, I get it. I know. Here's my past. Here's my doubts. Here's my crap. Here's what I've dealt with. But I'll tell you what God's done in my life. And they just started talking. And then he goes, hey, man, um, why, why, why don't you check out a Red Rocks Church service? And he sent him a, a message, and, and Ronnie was preaching. And, and 
the guy, the guy heard from God in this message and like his life was rocked. His life was changed. He all of a sudden started talking to Mark more and more about his faith and started watching more and more messages. And, and, and he went from when they started their conversation, he's like, let me tell you why I don't believe this stuff. Well, he was just in town to visit a bunch of fighters. And he said, is there any way I could possibly get baptized? Cause I want to go public with my faith in Jesus. And so we did a one person baptism service this week. Don't DM me. Cause I'm not going to do another one this week. We're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to get baptisms happening again, I promise. We can't wait. The guy texted Mark this week and said, you changed my life, Mark. I want you to know my life will never be the same because of you. His kids got in touch with Mark and said, our family's never, been this, never going to be the same because of you. You've changed our lives. How can we say thank you? And I was talking to Mark this week. I said, Mark, you, you could die tomorrow. Bro, you've lived a legacy. These people will not stop talking about you until they die, about how you changed their life. Because in a real uh, risky environment, you brought up Jesus and you took a risk and you shared your story and you shared your church and you shared your life. And now my life is forever changed. My family's life is forever changed. That family lineage is now forever changed. Mark is living the kind of life that leaves the kind of legacy that he wants, that we crave having. We can do this, church. Love God, love people, and reach the lost. And you're going to find that your life starts to have a purpose that you never even dreamt possible. And I'm telling you, the legacy you want to leave is going to take care of itself. I love you, church. That's my challenge, my, 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 my thoughts for you, my challenge for you. We're going to pray. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, now's your time. If you do, but feel like today was for you, we're going to pray for you as well. All right, let's pray. God, I thank you so much that your presence is with us right now, that you're speaking to us right now, that you have a plan for us right now, that your son died for us already, that we can have forgiveness right now and purpose right now and meaning right now and be living the kind of life right now that leaves the kind of legacy that we crave. I thank you, God. So God, now for, for all those of us you already have a relationship with Jesus, but the truth is God got your attention today. Something went off in your heart today where you were like, God wants me to hear this and I need to zero in on one of those three things and take it out of the realm of good intentions and into the realm of what I actually do with my life. If that's you, just raise your hand. I'm just gonna pray for you. We're gonna get serious and we're gonna get consistent with some of these things. Amen, amen. And the second question is this. You don't have a relationship with Jesus but you can feel it. He's calling you. This is your time. Today is your moment. Like I just know that I know right now God is calling me into a relationship with him. And you go, I need to ask him to forgive me of my sins, to be the Lord of my life. I want his spirit living inside of me and I want heaven forever. I, I choose Jesus today. If that's you, wherever you're at, raise your hand. I'm going to say a prayer for you. Raise him up high at all locations, Brussels, Texas, God behind bars online campuses, no matter where you're at, you can click that raise a hand button. God, we thank you that your presence is with us right now, that your presence is moving right now, that you have a plan and a purpose for our lives. I pray you help us to begin to walk in it, to take some of these things out of the good intentions department and put them into the what I actually do with my life department. And God, I thank you for those who are 
calling on your name right now and making you the Lord of their life right now for the first time. I thank you for the plans that you have for every single one of us. I thank you for your purpose. I thank you for your son. I thank you for your presence. I thank you that we get to be in your presence right now, no matter where we're at, and worship you with music. It's our honor to do so. And everybody at every location said, amen, amen. Let's stand up, church. Let's worship.